Morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Good, great, grand, wonderful. Glad you're here. There, there we go. For those that are listening online, we're glad you can join us. And uh, today we're in part three of this series. We're doing the five dysfunctions of a family. Talking about dysfunctional families. As I've said in the last couple weeks, we've all probably been a part of a dysfunctional family a time or two. And if you did not realize you were a part of a dysfunctional family, you were the dysfunctional part in that family. <laughs> I only know this from personal experience. I dysfunction well. I think that was a proper sentence. I, I, I don't know if, it's, if there's a way of doing it. So the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how dysfunctional families, one, they don't really prioritize and how dysfunctional families don't provide. And today I want to talk about how dysfunctional families don't discipline. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I felt that one, too. As soon as the words came out of my mouth, it was like, bleh, discipline. Dis discipline. Oh I, oh, I got disciplined. But it's like that word discipline. I don't know why, but we always, I think of discipline. I, I think of correction. I think of punishment. But that's not all that discipline is. And I kind of want us to take a look at the aspect of discipline where we get discipleship from. The, the part of discipline where we make disciples. And so that's really what I want us to look at today. And, and I'm going to be talking about uh, really kind of focusing for the first part of this message about parents and how they can discipline their children. About how parents can discipline their children. <laughs> Get ready for this one. Um, but then even those that maybe you've got kids and they're grown or you don't have kids at all, don't worry. You're not out of the woods you don't get to sit there and just kind of check this message off and say, oh, well, I've got nothing to do. No, 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 because we're all called to make disciples, which means we all got to have a little discipline in our lives and we got to be able to provide discipline for others. See, this kind of message, it was coming back to me and I, Jen and I were trying to find this photo and uh, just can't find it. I know it's out there somewhere. And it's a photo when I've got this nice long ponytail and I didn't have a mustache or hair on my cheeks. It was just underneath. We called it the Yoder because it kind of looked like an Amish beard that I had. And this was 15 years ago. And Logan was born. And I'm in the hospital and I'm holding this little child. And I've got that look on my eyes like my entire life has flashed before it. And I realize that nothing will ever be the same again. And I realize that I now have to figure out how to take care of this little thing. And I have no idea what I'm doing because I'm way over my head. And it was just like shocked look on my face. And it was like, I can't even take care of myself. How am I supposed to take care of others? This is crazy. And this was this, this look that I had. And, and then I started to realize that from this moment, I only have 938 weeks until they're 18 and they're out of the house. Okay, let's, let's be real. 938 weeks and they're still coming back to the house, right? Right? Can I get an amen from the grandparents in the house? All right. 
So it's like, this, this just continues to happen. But after 938 weeks, they're now legally an adult. And according to the law of this country, you don't get to boss them around anymore and make them do what you want. According to the law of this country. Amen. Some laws need repealed. <laughs> it's just like, let's make it 25. Common sense doesn't kick in until then anyways. Uh, you know, and I'm just, I'm thinking about this. And I'm thinking, we have a short window with our children. Yes, it's 18 years, but if, if you've had children, you realize that saying time flies is true. And time flies at like light speed. Because just like that, and all of a sudden, this, this little bitty baby, that the worst he would do is just like spit up a little bit on me. and Make a mess out of himself. That was the worst he would do. Well, now, if, if you don't have like the fridge stocked, it's like a Tasmanian devil rips through the house. And, and he's no longer this itty bitty baby. He's now like getting close to being my height. And I sit here and I think about the last 15, 16, 17 years. And it's like, have I provided enough discipline at this point? Have I helped show them the way they're supposed to go? Because every parent has this desire that if, if there's one thing we could accomplish, it would be to raise up God-fearing children that love the Lord with every ounce of their being. That should be the greatest desire of Christian parents. Amen. And so then it's like, I only got 938 weeks to do this? I need to figure out how to file an extension on that one. Because I'm not sure I did enough. I may have squandered a few of those years. And then for the parents that you're now grandparents and your kids have far surpassed that 938 weeks and you're like, well, that didn't quite work the way it was planned. God-fearing, not quite yet. Because we still have an opportunity to do what Scripture tells us. See, dysfunctional families don't have discipline because dysfunctional families don't talk about God. And so what I want us to do is I want us to go all the way back to the, towards the beginning. We're going to go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want you to see this instruction that we have. And so if you've got your Bibles, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. And I'm going to be reading this morning out of the New King James Version. So if you have a different translation and it just sounds a little different, well, now you know why. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses is kind of giving this proclamation, this, this declaration, and a charge, if you will, to the people of Israel. He's trying to instruct them. I mean, this is... This is Moses. I mean, he went up on the mountain, had a heart to heart with God, came down with some commandments. And God's like, hey, you're going to instruct my people because you're the one that helped lead them out of Egypt. You're the one that helped set them free. Now you get to show them how to stay free and how to continue to be free. And so in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, 
Here's what Moses has to say. He says, hear, O Israel. And by the way, you can just substitute that Israel and put your name in there. Hear, O Joshua, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He's saying right here, he's like, you need to make sure first that you understand that our God is one. He's the only one. There's no other God. You don't get to worship any other because there is no other. He reigns supreme. There is no one above him. Nothing above him. And man, if we could get our kids to understand that, that God alone reigns supreme, they don't get to live for themselves. They need to live for him. Man, can you imagine what they could do with their lives? He's saying that you need to, these words in verse 6, these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Keep them with you. And then in verse 7, he says, you shall teach. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. See, dysfunctional families don't talk about God. So a functional family needs to talk about God. And I know there are people that will say, oh, well, I mean, yeah, but how, how do we do that? Well, come on. It's right here. It tells you how. It's pretty simple. He's saying, talk about them when you're sitting in your home, when you're walking outside of your home, when you're lying down and when you're rising up. So really what he's saying is, if you're at home, talk about God. If you're away from home, talk about God. At night, before you go to bed, talk about God. And in the morning when you wake up, talk about God. <laughs> so you should start your day and end your day with God. And whether you're away from home or at home, it should be with God. He's giving some instructions for us. And for those of us that have children, we should hear this and we should be thinking, okay, I'm within that 938 weeks. So they are still here. They have not moved out. Which you know what that means. I'm with them when they go to sleep and I'm with them when they wake up in the morning. And so when I have that opportunity, we wake up, guess what we're going to do? We're going to talk about God. And one of the easiest ways to talk about God is to pray. You pray, and you can pray with your children and just say, God, I just ask that you would bless them today and encourage them today as they get ready to go to school, help bring back to their remembrance the things that they have learned so that they can do well and be honoring to you for the exams, the tests that they're about to take. Help them in that to be successful. Let them be a light in this dark world and keep anything that is evil that is trying to attack them and, and trying to put them down and trying to hold them back. Keep that far away from them. Let your angels protect them. Let your angels watch over them and help raise them up to be committed followers of you. 
Man, you start praying like that, you start talking about what God can and will do over their lives, all of a sudden those kids are walking into school, head held high, chest out. Somebody's like, yeah, well, my daddy can beat up your daddy. No, no, no. My daddy is Abba Father, and he'll take out your daddy. Amen. <laughs> and be like, no, I, I know who I am. I'm a child of God. That's who my daddy is. And all of a sudden, they, they start walking around. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, at nighttime, you get to help them go to bed. You start praying for them. God, just help them to have sweet sleep. Help them to rest well. Help them to dream good dreams and have the visions that, that you would place in their heart. Let them be able to wake up in the morning well-rested and ready to start another day serving you. Father, help keep them in their beds so they don't make 15 trips out making all sorts of excuses to keep me awake. Okay, maybe that was a, a more of a personal prayer, but you, you get what I'm talking about. <laughs> Father, help my children to stay in bed and remember to obey their parents. When I say go to bed, it means go to bed. We... we we, we do these things. Okay, so the one that needed to hear that of my children's in the other room. So I hope in children's church, she's hearing that message. <laughs> but we have this ability to do it. And it's not only that. We can talk at home. Think about this. If you actually have a meal with your family at home, what would it be like to have a conversation where a screen wasn't involved? Where you can set the phone down and you can just look across the table. Or down the couch, doesn't matter where you, where you eat your food at. But, and then it's just like, hey, how was your day? What was going on? And then take that opportunity, that moment when they start to tell you about their day, that all of a sudden you can bring in a biblical principle. All of a sudden they start to talk about, you know, hey, so I, I, was, I was at school today and you know what I learned? I learned that a giraffe doesn't have a vocal cord. Be like, Actually, I learned that, you know, going and getting coffee, but... That's neither here nor there. But still, you know, draft doesn't have a vocal cord. Isn't it amazing how God created them with these very long necks and yet no vocal cord? Huh. That's pretty neat. That's pretty interesting. Or when the kids start telling you about, hey, did you hear that they found like a new frog that's like extremely poisonous? I'm like, well, they found it, but God found it thousands of years ago when he created it. And, and I bet somebody else found it. It was just so poisonous that they didn't live to tell about it. God created that poisonous frog to be able to protect itself from us. Because we're like, ooh, pretty. We take these opportunities. Or all of a sudden when somebody's having a hard day at school. And a teacher was having a hard day and... All of a sudden, you got, you got your kid and you got the teacher and they're just butting heads and, and it's bad. Your kid gets sent to the principal's office and it's just like, what are we going to do? Well, you take that opportunity at home to be like, you know, sometimes people take things out on us that they didn't intend to take it out on. And, and God says that what we're supposed to do is try to live in a peaceful way with everybody. And he also says that we're just supposed to kind of mind our own business. So we don't know what they went through, but we just need to be about what God has called us to do. So instead of complaining about them, how about we pray about them? And we can take those opportunities to help shape and to mold the kids. Or when we're out and about, because it says, hey, when you're walking by the way, well, I don't know if you're like me, I ain't doing a whole lot of walking, but I do a lot of driving. And all of a sudden I do a lot of driving and I'm realizing quickly that if Kiera's with me, I don't get to do a lot of talking. I do a lot of listening. 
<laughs> but Kira loves to talk about God. Non-stop. Which is a good thing. I'm, it's a great thing. Sometimes I would like to talk, but it's a great thing. And so like driving back home yesterday, and she's like, so hey, Dad. <laughs> yes. When you get to heaven, who do you want to meet? Everybody. You know, I really want to meet Peter, and I want to ask Peter what he thought when he was walking on the water. Just these conversations. No matter where you're at, you can have these conversations. And what happens is when a family starts to have conversations about God everywhere, all of a sudden the children start to see God everywhere. And God becomes more real to them than anything that this world has to offer. So when they finally reach week 939 and they're out of the house, they may have left you, but they haven't left God. Because God's still with them. And you've trained them up the way that you should to be able to point them to God. To help them walk with God. See, Moses goes on here, and he doesn't just say, hey, we're supposed to teach the kids. He says that, but then in verse 8, he says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. See, he's not just talking about children here. He's like, hey, now hold on a second. Now I want you to tie these as a sign. On your hand, bind them up as a sign on your hand. This is what in, in Jewish tradition is called the phylacteries. And I, I've got kind of an image so you can see what the phylacteries is. It's basically this leather box that you wind up having on your wrist. And it's kind of like more up at the elbow and they've got leather straps that hold it there. And inside this, this box are little scraps of the Torah of God's word that are right there on your arms. The hands and the arms that you put to work to do things every day, it has God's word all over them. And there's another box up on your forehead, right between your eyes. And it's just like the other one where it has scripture inside that. And they're to do that. And, and a lot of these, even today, a lot of Jewish men still use these in their morning prayers. To make sure that as they're starting the day, as they're getting ready to hat out, they have got God's word on their arms and at their forehead. At the front of their thinking is God's word. And so that's what Moses is telling us to do. He's saying, make sure that when you're at work, when you're going to work, when you're putting these hands to work, you're putting them to work for the Lord. That you have God's word on them. Make sure when you're thinking about what it is that you're going to do today and, and how you're going to be going about your day, that it's going through God's word. That God is at the front of your thinking and the front of your doing. And then he says, you should also write these on the doorpost of your homes and on your gates. See, this is called the mezuzah. I prefer mezuzah over phylacteries. I mean, mezuzah, it actually sounds like something fun. It sounds like a treat. Phylacteries, it kind of sounds like a disease that somebody has caught. Oh, hey, Billy Bob can't make it to church today because he came down with the phylacteries. <laughs> Man, 
He needs to get some mezuzah to treat that. It's like, I mean, but this, the mezuzah, this is essentially the same thing as the phylacteries where you got these little pieces of scroll, but it's inside a box that is on your door frame or at the front gate. So then you think about this. The last thing that I see when I leave my house in the morning is the word of God. And the first thing that I see when I come back home is the word of God. When I'm going out to do the day's work, I'm leaving with God's word. When I'm coming back from doing the work, I'm coming back with God's word. You see, this is something that is just is powerful that we need to get and we need to realize. Now, sure, some of the, the, the Jewish people, they would take the phylacteries and, and all of a sudden it became a hypocritical practice. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 23, 5. He said, all their works they do to be seen by men, but they make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They're basically like, hey, they put this giant phylactery on their arm and they're like, look how much word I know. I do good work with this. And it's like this giant thing, but they did it for a show. But yet if they would have just remembered the one thing that the Lord God is one and I'm to love him with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. And if they had that one scripture written in that phylactery, how powerful would that be if they actually knew it to the point that they applied it in their lives? And this, this is something that we all, whether we've got kids or not, we need to understand this one. Because when it comes to discipline, you'll get discipline when you have conversations. If you've ever played sports, if you've ever been in any type of an athletic competition, you understand that it requires discipline. You have to train your body for that. And oftentimes it takes a coach and the coach will instruct you. The coach will discipline you with his words. No, don't do it that way. Do it this way. And those words and those instructions are to make us successful, to make us win at the sport. And yet God's instruction is to help us and to discipline us so we can win at life. These words, we need to continue to talk about God and what we're doing. Because God didn't just call us as parents to discipline our children. In other, in other words, he didn't call us just to make disciples of our children. But Jesus tells us that we're to make disciples of all nations. This is the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 19. He says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Jesus even tells us, hey, making disciples is teaching them. Teaching them what I commanded you. Teaching them how I taught you to live. And if you didn't remember, Jesus had this great command that he told us. And the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And he put a second with it to love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't it fascinating how when Jesus is telling us that we're to make disciples and we're to teach them the things that he taught us, to observe the things that he taught us, the greatest command that Jesus gave us is the same command that Moses gave us. 
the same command that Moses says, this is how you discipline and teach your children. And Jesus is saying, this is how you discipline and teach the world. You teach them to love the Lord with every ounce of their being. And so, hey, 938 weeks of kids is gone, come and passed. But yet there are still people that I interact with every day. And Jesus called me to make disciples of everyone. So what can I do to help discipline and teach others to love God? Well, if you look there in Deuteronomy, what he says about the phylacteries and uh, about the mezuzah, he says you bind them as a sign on your hand and they'll be frontlets of your eyes. You'll write them on the doorpost of your house and of your gates. So in other, ways, in other words, when you leave home, you should be talking about God and about his word. And when you're away from home and you're at work and you're doing things with your hands, well, you should be talking about God and his word. And then on your way back home, you should be talking about God and his word. And see, this isn't about just, you know, going to work and say you're working in a production environment and you're on an assembly line. It's not kicking over boxes, jumping up on the conveyor belt and holding up the Bible and saying, the Lord God has spoken to you all. No, you can just have real conversations. See, I worked in one of those environments years ago. And one of the easiest ways for me to have conversation was actually to take this in. And on my breaks and at lunch, I set this down. And when everybody else is starting to have conversations or they're, they're watching TV or, or they're checking their social media accounts, I'm just sitting there eating my Chinese food, reading the Bible. It took all of about two or three days. And somebody looks over and they're like, hey, Josh, what you reading over there? The Bible. Is it any good? Best book ever written. Amen. And then they start getting closer. And they start getting closer. And then, of course, you get those people that they want to challenge you. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, what do you have to say about that scripture that contradicts that scripture? You know what my response was? I don't know. I got no clue. I have nothing to say about that. I'm not going to defend the Bible because the Bible defends itself. But what I do know about the Bible is that it was given so that we would know how much God loves us. And he does love you even when you're trying to like tear apart his word. Amen. He still loves you. And then this group grew bigger and bigger to the point that then management came to me to try to tell me I couldn't be holding Bible studies at work. And I said, I'm not. I, I never once announced anything. I brought my book in to read on my time that you were not paying me for. And they wanted to come and know what it was I read. Ask any of them. I didn't ask them to come over. They just came over. And then there were opportunities that, well, people were sitting there and they're just talking about their day. You know, just like we would do with our kids. Hey, how was your day? How are things been? You get there to work in the morning and you're like, hey, Jim. How are things going? How was, how was your night last night? Did you have a good night? Oh, Josh, it was horrible. 
it was just ridiculous. You know, mom called and she's yelling at me and my brother's an idiot. And like, oh man, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, is there, I mean, could I pray for you? Yeah, that'd be great. Well, can we pray now? Absolutely. Just put my hand on him and I just start praying for him. And he hears what I believe God is going to do in his life. It's just having conversations. It's just talking about it. See, when a family is going to start functioning properly at home, a family needs to start functioning properly away from home. And that means each member of the family needs to function the way that God has called us to function. And the way that God has called us to function is to love Him with every ounce of our being. To make sure that no matter what we are doing, he is at the forefront of our thoughts and our actions. That we are living this life like he is ever present because he is. And we are aware of our dependency on him and his word. And we just love him so much we can't help but talk about him. See, there are things in my life that I love talking about. And I'm sure there are things in your life that you love talking about. I mean, I love coffee. It might be a problem. Pray for me. I mean, this is good. Might need a refill here in a little bit, Marvin. We'll remember that. So it's like, I mean, I, I love coffee. We've got, what, six different methods of brewing coffee. That's how much I love it. I'm like... Well, I don't know if today I want a drip pot or if I want a French press or if I want a Chemex or if I want an espresso or if I want a Keurig or if I want a vacuum siphon. I'm just not sure what my coffee palate wants. And I love talking about coffee. And I, I love talking about coffee. And if you want to talk about coffee, we'll talk about coffee. And I love YouTube. And I'm on YouTube. And I engage with YouTube. And I keep making new YouTube channels. There might be something wrong with me. Pray for me. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I love YouTube. And I love my children. And I love my dogs. And I love my wife. And I love this church. But above all of that, I love God. And anytime somebody makes an opportunity to want to talk about God, or I see an opportunity to talk about God with them, oh, we're getting into it. And it's going to be fun. And, and I don't try to, to school them in just like the intricacies of doctrine. No, I want to keep first things first, that the Lord God is one and we should love Him as one with everything that we have. And if I can focus on having conversations about that, when people are like, oh, well, what do you think about tithing? Is that appropriate for today? Is, is it necessary? Is that 10% off your gross or off your net? Man, I just want to say, quite frankly, I think you should give everything to God. Who cares about a tithe? Give 100% to God. Why? Because he gave everything to you. And somebody that would give me everything, I just want to give everything back to them out of sheer gratitude. And the fact that God is sitting there saying, 10%'s good, and we're squabbling over whether or not that's appropriate for today, what is wrong with us? I mean, for me, when people actually have those conversations, I'm like, first, are you given? If you're not given, well, just give something. And then if you're given something, give more than what you're given. 
Why? Because I love him with everything and I want to do that. And it doesn't matter what we're talking about, what we're doing, where we're at. We can see God everywhere. And if we will start to talk about him everywhere, we will see him everywhere. And then even with the world that we are having conversations with, all of a sudden they will start to see the world. And the next time that coworker comes up to you, it's not going to be about, well, what do you think about the contradictions back there in First and Second Chronicles? No, it's not going to be about that. They're going to be like, hey, Josh, never guess what God did. Because all of a sudden, they see God as real and in their lives, and they see the favor upon them. So we need to be functioning properly by talking about God so that this dysfunctional family has discipline and is no longer dysfunctional. Let's pray.